Welcome to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham, a podcast dedicated to established business leaders like you, ready to bring more meaning into your life in a way that strengthens rather than threatens the financial stability of your business. I'm your host, Bessie Graham. I've worked with business owners, governments, and large funding bodies like the United Nations for over 20 years to bring doing good and making money back together. So let's unpack why you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life. One of the things that you may not realize about me is that I have a long history of my thinking, research, and practice deeply revolving around leadership. In my master's degree, I majored in counterterrorism. I did postgraduate studies at Harvard in both leadership and governance. And I'm a graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors. When I was studying, one of my lecturers made a comment that always stayed with me. He said, if you want to lead in the 21st century, you need to have a stomach for disequilibrium. This idea is more relevant than ever as you embark on your journey of figuring out what doing good looks like in your business and then work to ensure you design a business model that delivers the win-win and positions you with the competitive edge you've been missing. Finding stability or equilibrium is going to at times be impossible and your job as a leader is going to be to acclimatise to that and learn to operate, make decisions and paint a compelling vision of the future for your team, customers, and investors to follow. Reading a situation, knowing what to ignore, what to prioritise, and how to weigh up competing needs are skills that we all need in life, but are heightened massively for us as leaders. Because while a world where everything was predictable and clear-cut might sound incredibly appealing some days, it is not the world that any of us actually live in. Part of developing a stomach for disequilibrium is rooted in your willingness to do the personal work. Here's the thing. You can't lead others until you lead yourself. To be an effective leader, you're going to need to have the self-awareness, do the ongoing work of growing and evolving as a human yourself, have the discipline to drill to clarity, and the patience to communicate over and over and over again with consistency. When you combine these things, with an intentional approach to leadership that seeks not only to tap into your strengths, but to open up space and create a platform for other people's strengths to shine, you can learn to navigate the rocky waters of leadership in the rapidly shifting business environments that we're operating in. 
keeping in the theme of this key area of leadership and the requirement to cultivate that stomach for disequilibrium, I want to connect this into my approach to having a both and mindset. To sit with both and is to accept that two seemingly contradictory things can be equally true. As I was planning this podcast episode, I had mapped out a number of key aspects related to leadership lessons I've learnt and that I consistently put into practice in my own life. Then my best friend Jared threw in a wild card and suggested something that I know to be true and deeply believe, but that if I'm honest, is something I struggle to consistently do. So. I've added it in and I'll point it out when I get to it to keep it real and be honest with you about the fact that life and leadership are a journey and we're all forever growing and learning, myself included. So let's jump into five examples of leadership truths that can be difficult to stomach, but regardless are equally true. The first sits with these two ideas. Everything starts with you and everything is not about you. If we think about this, I mentioned the fact that we need to, as leaders, first lead ourselves. We need to do the personal work. We need to have the self-awareness. Part of that is through doing things like understanding your own values. Part of that is about doing the work around drilling into things like your strengths and understanding your preferences, your profile, how you operate, what you like doing when you're at your best, all of those types of things. So in that first category of things start with you, we're taking responsibility for this ongoing journey that I've mentioned. We're acknowledging that we've never actually arrived. It's never over. The piece that sits alongside that in this first category is the point that is equally true, which is everything is not about you. And often when we have been in positions of authority or leadership that come with privilege or power and position, we can be tricked into thinking that everything is about us and that things and people fit in with us. The piece that I want you to think about from this both end mindset as we look at this first category is that one of the ways that you can start to create this shift and think about the fact that everything is not about you is to say the framing of what success can look like as you lead is that in many instances, one of the most helpful framings that I've ever used and that I continue to use 
is that I see my job as making myself redundant. And what I mean by that is that as I come in, if we go back to that piece of it all starts with you, I have done the work to understand myself, where I add value, what my unique gifts and brilliance are. But when I then flip over into this category of everything is not about me, and when I have in my mind this idea of my job being to make myself redundant, what I am doing is really tuning into the part that is mine to play. So I'm really good at kicking doors open, starting things, conceptualizing things that others can't see. But when I do that and maybe build out a business model or a particular program or intervention, I always equally have in my mind the fact that everything is not about me and that it's not my job or my role to own or continue to own in an ongoing way all aspects of an idea or a project or a business. So I want you to think about in this first category how you currently operate and move between or sit with developing your stomach for disequilibrium around these first two ideas of everything starts with you but everything is not about you. The second category that we're going to look at in terms of two ideas that are equally true is the concept that you are not the answer to every problem. And on the flip side, the buck stops with you. So this first piece that you are not the answer to every problem follows on from the category before in terms of some of those ideas that I talked about related to everything is not about you. When we shift down into the second category, we are following along this same vein and saying that as a leader, we need to sit with and accept the truth that we are not the answer to every problem. And one of the things that I want to put in your mind when we think about that aspect is this role of a strengths-based approach. I often talk to leaders about the fact that while we want to know our own strengths, so in that earlier category around everything starts with you and the self-awareness and the knowing of your own strengths, brilliance, etc. When we move into this category of saying you are not the answer to everything, to every problem, part of what we want to do as a leader is to build a platform for other people's strengths to shine for other people or other organisations to put their brilliance to work in the world. Because when we do that, we collectively create better outcomes. The flip side in this second group is that the buck stops with you. And so while on the one hand we're saying I need to acknowledge and sit with the fact that I am not the answer to every problem, 
And so I'm going to create a platform for other people's strengths and brilliance to shine and create space for them to step in and have solutions and ideas and to do the work and own the outcomes. As a leader, I still really strongly believe in and encourage you to take an approach that says the buck stops with you. When we think about this aspect of the buck stops with you, part of what I'm wanting you to do is the old idea of saying don't be the kind of leader who takes credit for everything that goes well but quickly blames everybody else for the problems. Our job is to actually have that overarching sense. Our job is to have this overarching sense of an understanding of the whole system that we're operating in, but also that sense that we are holding, we are taking responsibility for the way in which everything plays out. So while we may have team members or other people working on individual parts or projects within a business, that ultimate responsibility for the leadership and the outcomes or results that are being achieved does sit with us. And so we need to be quick to own that and to not pass the buck when it comes to things going wrong or needing to be held accountable or be transparent about things, risks, problems, failures, etc. So the other part that I think is worth thinking about when we're in that category of the buck stops with you is that while you are not the answer to every problem, as the leader and as the person who is taking ultimate responsibility for things, there will be times when you have to stay longer than you wanted to in a particular role or working on a particular project. And there will be times when you have to do tasks or projects or jump in on things that you don't particularly like doing. And again, this sits within that role of if you are taking responsibility for and being the leader of an organization, then you don't always have the ability to just do the fun things or the things that you like doing. There are times when you just have to roll your sleeves up and get in there and do it. I have personally had many instances where I have had to just do tasks or salvage a project or jump in and do things in ways that haven't actually been that fascinating or engaging for me. I have even had a situation where one of the organisations that I founded and was the CEO of for many years, I ended up staying in that role and really guiding that organisation for multiple years beyond where my interest sat. And I did that because I was committed to the vision I believed in what we were doing 
And I had worked so hard to build an organization that others said we couldn't build. And I wanted to get it to the place where I had the next leader in place and ready to take over from me and where I knew they were set up to succeed rather than me jumping ship early because I was bored but leaving them with chaos and a really difficult job where I'd actually set them up to fail. So this idea of the buck stops with you also comes down to you having to make a judgment call and be discerning about whether there are situations where you're going to have to just get in there and do the job, even if you don't really enjoy it. Let's move into the third category. In this category, we're looking at the fact that as a leader, you have to have the courage to have difficult conversations. And on the flip side of that, you need to earn the right to deliver difficult feedback. So let's unpack these two a little bit. When I say that you need to have the courage to have difficult conversations, we have all either had leaders or managers that we were working with who did not have courage and who avoided difficult conversations and made our lives or our team's lives more difficult in the process. One of the pieces that is incredibly frustrating is that far too often leaders lack a functioning spine and they avoid these awkward situations, the difficult conversations. They know that someone doesn't fit or isn't performing or is being incredibly, uh, their, their behavior is incredibly difficult and causing problems for other team members or is not aligned with the values of the organization. And yet that leader lacks the courage to actually confront that and deal with the issue. And that has such negative impacts and flow-on effects for a team. So you need to have that courage to have those difficult conversations. But equally true, on the other side, is that you actually need to earn the right to deliver that difficult feedback. We had in an organisation that I used to run, we had this approach where we often described it as that within our relational core value, we would say that's not about just being nice and saying what people want to hear. Part of what we saw as our role was the giving of that difficult feedback. So we would often use phrases like, we're willing to tell people their baby's ugly in terms of their business. So we might come in and say, there's no way this business model is going to work, which we framed as telling them their baby was ugly. We used phrases like that we were truth tellers. We would talk about aspects that sat within the category of we would get people to have aha moments, but we would do that by putting them in a headlock. All of this language was quite intense and full on. And it sat in that category where people like us 
and I'm putting myself in this category because I was the leader of the organization and the biggest culprit of this. So I'll talk about myself. People like me would often say that it was about being brutally honest. And at the time that I was running this organization, I read a really interesting article that Elizabeth Gilbert wrote about this idea of brutal honesty. And it was incredibly helpful for me. And so I brought it in and shared it with my team. And we all talked about reframing some of these ideas about the way that we gave this difficult feedback. And instead of purely framing things as that we had the courage to have difficult conversations, we started to sit with this both-and approach of having the courage to have difficult conversations, but equally respecting the fact that we needed to earn the right to give difficult feedback. Here are the key ideas that Elizabeth Gilbert spoke about related to brutal honesty that we then took on board and that I brought into the team. So she says that you need to ask four questions before you take on board someone's feedback. The first is, do I trust their taste and judgment? The second is, do they understand what I'm trying to create? The third is, do they genuinely want me to succeed? And the fourth is, are they capable of delivering sensitive and compassionate feedback? So the way that I used this was I took Gilbert's four questions and I flipped them to be the precursors or the conditions that had to be in place for myself and my team to have earned the right to give difficult feedback. And I would encourage that you do the same thing. So in order to give constructive criticism and to give this difficult feedback, you have to take the time to know the person and then ask the question of yourself, does this person feel those four things? So have you actually earned their trust and the right to speak? And when I say, does this person that you're trying to give this feedback to, do they feel those four questions to be true and present? That's really important because it's not just about do you think you've done this? It's you having the empathy and thinking about whether that person that you're about to give this difficult feedback to, do they trust your taste and judgment? Do they actually feel like you understand what they're trying to create? That 
comes back to, have you taken the time to actually listen? Or did you just come in guns blazing with your solution? Do they feel really strongly and in a a true sense of the word, do they feel that you genuinely want them to succeed? And do they think and are they feeling with the way that you're interacting that you are capable of delivering sensitive and compassionate feedback? That last one's important because it's that shift away from the really rough or gruff um, approach to having brutal honesty as the framing and instead says, how do you do it in a sensitive and compassionate way? Now again, remember I'm asking you to hold that approach alongside the fact that you have to have the courage to have difficult conversations. So what I'm not saying is everything has to be soft and pleasant and nice and passive. You're often going to be in a position where you need to deliver hard truths, but using those four questions can be a really helpful way to first make sure you have earned the right to deliver that feedback and also to help you think about the way that you're going to deliver that feedback. The fourth set of ideas that I want you to think about are these two. Your energy sets the tone and carries the organisation. And on the flip side, you need to switch off to rest and restore. So let's sit with these two ideas, the both and aspect, the fact that they are both true and you don't just pick one. So if we think about this idea of your energy sets the tone and carries the organisation, Oprah, who I'm a big fan of and have loved for decades, Oprah used to have a sign on her change room door that says, please take responsibility for the energy you bring into this space. And I used to have that in my study as well at home. Because I do think that we need to take responsibility for the energy and the tone that we set. Everyone needs to take responsibility for their energy. But as a leader, it is even more important for us to really tune into the fact that we do play that role of setting the tone. And our energy sets that tone and then carries the organisation. So again, there's a massive responsibility in that. If we just stay on that side of the equation, then we can get trapped in that sense of, oh my gosh, I'm carrying this, I can't take a break, I have to be present, I have to always be full of life and full of energy and motivation because everyone's looking at me and relying on me. So the piece 
that I want you to sit alongside that as the flip side of this both-and equation is the fact that you need to switch off to rest and restore. And part of your ability to do that is just about starting to practice it and pull yourself out of the way that you may have become embedded in all aspects of the business and it can't function without you. But this also connects us back to the earlier point around you're not the answer to every problem. If we have built these platforms and an environment that cultivates and encourages other people's brilliance and their own strengths to shine, then we will be better able to do that piece of switching off from, removing ourselves from the business to rest and restore. Because the reality is I see far too many leaders who own and are so wrapped up in this identity of themselves being an achiever or a type A or a, you know whatever title they've given themselves. And they frame that as if that is the only way they can function and as if it is a better or more valuable way to operate. My advice to you from one leader to another is that learning to sit with and build up your own stomach for disequilibrium around this particular idea is going to be crucial to the longevity of your ability to lead well. Because as the leader, we don't just need you to be present. Okay, we want you and need you to be showing up with that energy that projects the company forward in the way that you want it to. We want and need you to show up with a clear mind, to be able to communicate well, to be able to make good judgment calls and use your discernment. And so the ability to switch off from, to rest, recover, restore, all of those words are going to be really important. And if this is not something you naturally do or that you have such a deeply rooted pattern that is the opposite of this, this might be the area of learning to have a stomach for disequilibrium that you need to play with. The last category that I want us to look at as we go into some of the examples of having a both-and mindset as a leader and cultivating the stomach for disequilibrium and sitting with seemingly paradoxical ideas, but acknowledging they are equally true, is the idea that we need to, as a leader, have a clear vision for the future. And our clear vision is critical. And then on the flip side of that, we need to celebrate wins and not always focus on the future. This one is the one that Jared got me to add, and it's the one that I am not very good at. I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress, but it is something that I struggle with and that certainly does not come naturally to me. 
So the aspect around the vision piece, having a clear vision, has always been a strength of mine. I have an amazing imagination. If you saw my psych profile, my fantasy levels are off the charts. So when you combine that imagination, that fantasy, with my strategic ability and the intuition I have around seeing things in that blink way, having the ability to conceptualize and have a vision, they're my sweet spots. I I do that really naturally. But I struggle with the other side of that equation to stop and celebrate and acknowledge achievements and wins. So that piece is a work in progress for me and something that I really struggle with. So there are parts of it that I can do. You know, I live naturally in a space of of gratitude, but the celebration piece, I'm kind of like, tick that box, achieved, move on, already focusing on the next thing. So that that aspect, and if I think of how that maps back to my psych profile, I'm very low agreeable and very high conscientious. I have high expectations of myself and others and am not so good at settling for less than my vision. And so this is a, a real area for me for growth and something that I do struggle with, if I'm perfectly honest. So how comfortable are you with being uncomfortable? If you were to score yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being exceptional, where would you currently sit when it comes to cultivating that stomach for disequilibrium? When you think of these five categories that I've given you with these two sides of an equation for areas that as a leader you might want to look at cultivating your both end mindset, do some of those come naturally to you? Are some of them areas that you struggle with like I do? Maybe just sit with those. They could be a really good starting point for you to think about your own leadership and your own areas for growth. There's nothing easy about leadership, but it is incredibly important. And if you see it as a lifelong journey and stay curious and open, I believe you can make a real difference. So don't make excuses and wait for someday. Begin today to bring back into alignment your head, heart and hands. Because the way we think, what we care about and what we do all play a role. And when we live in a state of flow where those things are aligned, we will be sustained for the marathon, to not only survive, but to thrive and to make it to the finish line energized 
not gasping for breath and collapsing in a heap. Thank you for taking the time to listen to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham. If you found what I shared today valuable or you think that it would be good for a fellow business leader to listen to, then please share the episode with someone you know. Another way to help the podcast is to provide a rating and written review on your podcast app of choice. The written review is important because it helps others learn more about what we're trying to achieve. If you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to me at any time on LinkedIn, YouTube or Instagram just by searching Bessie Graham or you can go to BessieGraham.com. I'm Bessie Graham and remember, you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life.